Welcome to the Ascension Cast. This is the Axe Project. I'm Jared Blue. I'm Alexander Thomas. And I'm only Robbie Lockett. Hello. Hello. Well, here we are in Acts chapter 24. And just as commentary, because I think at this point when you get into Acts, um, a lot of the questions is, why are we reading so much about Paul and just like arguments back and forth that like, even when you read a lot of sermons can, at least for me, get a little boring. When I start to just hear like this stuff, I I get kind of bored sometimes when I read it (laughs) and I skim past it a little farther. You know, you you start out and you think you're reading this miraculous story about the birth of the church and the the, the Holy Spirit coming as a mighty rushing wind, and now you're just watching an episode of Law and Order. That's yeah, what, yeah. That's yeah. Like. Everyone's really excited about the first fa- 15 chapters of Acts, and then you get here, and it's like... And you lose them. Yeah. <laughs> we got them in the first half. Uh, but but as, a, as a reminder for why so much time is spent on Paul, and remember, like, paper's expensive, like... Every detail that you're including, it's there because it's important. Um, Acts is an apologetic work. So we are talking about the spread of the church, which in very large part was because of Paul and his ministries. Uh, but one thing that, that to keep in mind, when we're reading these arguments, each of these are an apologetic work, an argument, in particular in this section when we get to the section with Agrippa. This is kind of like the the ultimate apologetic kind of at its completion that you can use for for Jesus and for the church. But you can almost think of Paul as a placeholder for where Christianity is spreading because, I mean, Paul is literally bringing Christianity there. But for each city that's named in each place, in each iteration of the arguments that Paul gives, it's almost like this is the apologetic work for those in the Mediterranean. These are the apologetic work for those that live in Asia or modern-day Turkey. This is the apologetic work for Romans. This is the the work for Jews. So we're seeing all of these different arguments because it's geared for a different person because we're seeing Christianity spread there for the first time. So here we start out in chapter 24. It's continuing with where we were with Paul is on trial and making all of these (laughs) different arguments and everything. And so um, he is then presented with all of these different leaders. He starts off with Felix, and then he ends up with Festus, and then he ends up with Agrippa and goes to all these places. But it begins with the accusations against Paul. And there's this line in verse 5 of chapter 4 that um, he's the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, which is is kind of a, a, a word that at this point would have meant um, Jewish Christians. And so here we're seeing Paul as this leader of this new religious movement. And they begin to throw out all of these accusations against him. And then we get to Paul's first defense here before Felix. Right. So Paul has, you know, we have an attorney on the scene, just like a good <laughs> law and order episode. We have Turtleus and he's, you know, presented to to serve in place in this trial. But then we also have the Jews that are um, piling on at this time, kind of, you know, going to the extreme, extrapolating (laughs) uh, as to what really happened, even though maybe all these things did not happen. Um, And, you know, Paul is, you know, seeking a defense. And I think Felix here is of the mindset, like, you know, 
how do I really interpret this? Even to the point mm-hmm. that he, I believe, brings in his wife, um, Drusilla, and to, to get her perspective of the situation. And I think is one thing that we were preparing, and I didn't mention it before, but with Drusilla, you know, we have, a, once again, a female being mm-hmm. brought in and like the role that women serve um, here. Uh, I don't think that she's serving like a big role, but <laughs> it's one thing we're just as we talked about in the last episode, um, I know this is a tangent, but you know, you have the nephew of Paul, you know, it's an individual that it's a small note about them and they serve a role and then we never hear about them again. And here we have Drusilla that's thrown in here in the context uh, who we know has a role. She's the wife of the governor. And we think about any of elected officials that we have today or high up individuals in an organization, you're going to have pillow talk. You're going to talk to your (laughs) significant other for guidance and wisdom. And um, that's um, more along the lines what we have here as well. Um, When, and you know, I think also with Drusilla, you might see a little bit of a callback there where, you know, Luke has gone to some pains at times to portray Peter and Paul both in ways where they are kind of stepping into uh, Jesus's place. And so <laughs> yeah. it, it reminds you of the uh, the scene during the, the whole trial of Jesus where uh, Pilate's wife comes out to him and says, have nothing to do with this man for I've suffered much in a dream because of him. And so here we see Paul on trial in front of the Romans and the the Roman leader's wife coming out and, um, you know, entering into the fray, as it were. She doesn't seem to have had (laughs) any visions. but And and like that, Felix passes him on to the king. (laughs) Right. And I think, you know, so Felix, I think, sends Paul away because he's doesn't want to deal with this anymore. And I think he was though expecting like probably to get like a bribe, right? You know, I think that there was an expectation that that was common within the legal system, you know, at that point that that could squash the situation, but that's not what happened here, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Paul is, you know, put on hold for like two years here. Yeah, And but, then Felix gets removed and a right. new governor comes and he's just, Sitting in prison, <laughs> but but uh, but like we would hope for anyone, he is taking advantage of those two years and making use of that time. Yeah, so that's a good point. So what we're seeing right here, so so again, this part so far with Felix in chapter twenty four is roughly around around two years. At the end of twenty four, a new governor steps in, or sorry, at the beginning of twenty five, Festus, who became governor in sixty. So we're we're again we're seeing time a lot of time take place. And this would have been the moment when a lot of Paul's letters are going to get written. Uh, and so it makes me, well, actually in a lot of ways, this makes me think back to Joseph being in prison mm. and that line, what God meant or what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah, so right. like, because Paul could no longer visit all of these churches, he writes them letters and the governor Festus makes this comment like, you know, let Paul have access to all of his friends, let them bring everything that he needs. And so this is when like the Paul that we know that writes all the mm-hmm. letters happens. And this right. is when 
the Bible really begins to form. These are the very first letters that are being written. And for me, at least, I felt like that was like an aha moment, you know, just because, you know, we talk about these letters so often and kind of loosely in the church that, you know, this is letters, Paul to the Ephesians and so forth. But this really provides that context as to like how, you know, these, how these letters fit into the overall, um, you know, Christian story. (laughs) Yeah. And so now we've got, you know, Festus kind of stepping into the position where Felix had been. Um, Felix evidently having been removed for handling conflict between Jews and Gentiles <laughs> poorly. Um, and the, so here's Festus, and he's uh, kind of an interesting seeming guy. He seems he's presented as though he's just very uh, pragmatic. Uh, let's just kind of get ourselves through this day without getting in trouble kind of a guy. <laughs> and uh, um, So he's got Paul just kind of chilling uh, more or less in protective custody. Um, and uh, eventually, uh, you know, he goes to, to Paul and he says, you, you know, there's really nothing against you here. You, you, you know, what, what do you say? And he says, I appeal to Caesar. <laughs> and so Festus says, well, if you appeal to Caesar, then to Caesar you will go. Um, but there's, you know, there's a few more steps between Festus and Caesar. He doesn't get to um, just walk into the imperial court himself. So we've got to stop off with Herod Agrippa, and we find out that um, Herod um, Agrippa shows up in Caesarea at about this time now where Festus is holding Paul, and he comes with Bernice, his sister. And we're two Herods away from Herod the Great, king that kills all the, like when Jesus was born, right? Yes, Aren't and this is two? also the last Herod. The la- okay, Herod right. Agrippa II. Which is also an ironic name, like Herod the Great. That's not so great, like you're killing people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he shows up in town with his sister Bernice, and it's interesting to me that Luke uh, calls her out. Uh, you know, is, is she there just to kind of provide a date? You know, I'm sure Herod Agrippa II came to Caesarea lots of times, and so Luke means this is the time he came with his sister. Mm. Um, Or maybe was she known to people? Did she perhaps uh, eventually join the way in that sect of the Nazarenes? And uh, uh, Luke includes her here because some of his readers would have known her for that reason. Uh, One could hope, I guess. But uh, what we do know is that uh, Herod and his sister Bernice had carried on an affair for many years at this point. And so there's definitely um, some irony being built in here um, where uh, Herod is a Jew, but apparently not much of one. <laughs> and uh, Paul's going to appeal uh, to his Jewishness at some point. So I think Luke has kind of teed up some some irony for us there. <laughs> kind of like the comment again about uh, the high priest from, yeah. la- from last episode. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's uh, claiming that everything here, you know, sarcasm is not present ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't it's funny disagree more. You read some of it a lot. So here we end up with Agrippa, and this is really going to make up the bulk of this section. And kind of as we said at the beginning, um, this is the, like, the, well, I guess it's the penultimate, but it's like the ultimate apologetic, really, for what. Paul's idea of Christianity is and the reason for Christianity. I want to read just this small section. He gives back in verse or in chapter 24 and verse 15 when he's talking to 
Felix. I'm getting my people confused. He says, I have one hope in God. I hope that they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. Therefore, I always, uh, therefore I do my best always to have a clear conscience toward God and all people. Um, and Paul gives his argument of how he's a good Jew. And so here we see Paul's arguments. He says, I'm a good Jew. I still do my good Jewish things. But my ultimate thing is I believe in resurrection, not just the resurrection of Jesus, but that this future resurrection is to come. To me, that really makes up the bulk of Paul's arguments. Um, he believes in resurrection through and through. It's Easter time. Jesus was risen. We're recording this right after Easter Sunday. So, um, but then that we will all be risen too. And, and this really shapes up what Paul believes and what makes Paul's like Judaism different than other Judaisms. Yeah. If Christ is not risen, then we are most of all to be pitied. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and I think that's kind of, you know, and, and Paul makes his case powerfully, uh, apparently to Agrippa who, um, nearly signs on, he says, uh, you know, the, 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 the king... <laughs> we, we pulled out like five different yeah. translations. The King James has it. That yeah, it has it, it's, it's the one, as usual, that has it right. Uh, <laughs> Agrippa answered Paul. Uh, uh, Paul said, King, believest thou the prophets? I know thou believest. And Agrippa answered, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said... I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And just like you were saying, Alexander, that is exactly, that's Paul's message. I, it's Christ and Christ crucified and Christ risen. And I, I want you all to know this. Yeah. And I want everyone to be, to live in a resurrection like I do. That's it's kind of this beautiful... Let, let me read that in modern, in real English. <laughs> Whether quickly or not, I pray to God that not only you, but also all who are listening to me today might become such as I am. And then I just imagine he lifts up his arms, except for these chains. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and there, chapter 26 ends, he, and Agrippa's like, I would have freed you, but you made the appeal to Caesar, to, to Caesar you will go. It's hard or not to... to, to hear that and and not have that echo of uh, they counted it as all joy uh, and, to, yeah. and, and you know this is the time where Paul has been writing his letters and saying things like count it all joy my brothers when you're That's reviled James. is that James who said that it is James. Joy, yeah yeah you're right. That's close, though. It's he close. listened to James. He, they were friends. <laughs> <laughs> they were friends. They were not at odds over faith and works. <laughs> so even though Paul is not free, I think we can say convincingly that things are turning around for him. You know, that he's finding some uh, advocates for him that are like in this, quote unquote, uh, judiciary system that we have here. We have Festus, yeah. we have King Agrippa, um, but obviously it's the his case still has to work through the system. Um, but one thing I had posed to the guys or made a comment about is, you know, what would the Christian church have looked like had, you know, Paul maybe not been in prison for two years? Maybe things could have just quickly escalated or in a positive way even that, you know, people understood where he was coming from and said, okay, like we were wrong for, you know, bringing these charges, even though they're flimsy, you know, yeah. against you. Um, you know, we wouldn't have have these letters to 
to the Ephesians. We wouldn't have the the, the Colossians. So, you know, I guess what is that? Would that delay the Christian church by a hundred years from taking the form that it does, or later ultimately <laughs> does? You know, yeah. or like, I I have both my like religious answer and then my like more academic answer. And let's like, hear both. So my academic answer, like when we study, like in religious studies, which was my degree, one of my degrees, like you, you have different Christianities. So we, we always try not to say Christianity or Orthodox. There's different ones and different movements that are all happening. And Paul isn't the only early Christian leader. He's certainly the one that we know the most today because as American Christians, we think of Christianity through the lens of the Bible that we read. Mm-hmm. But there was thriving Christianity without biblical letters that was happening. It took centuries for the Bible to come together. But I I mean, I think for one of the earliest things that we would look at is Christianity without Paul would probably be a lot more Jewish. Um, and there was a lot of arguments in the early church, and Paul was the biggest advocate that Gentiles can become Christians without becoming Jews. And so I... I think like some of the biggest gifts that we see from Paul and when I read Paul, when he talks about we're saved, not by works, he's saying it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to do good things. He's saying we don't have to do works of the law. We don't have to be circumcised and, and do all these, this Jewish laws because Gentiles are baptized. They're not, they're not under the law. And so that's the biggest gift of Paul. I think is you become Christians, but you don't have to be Jews first. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I when I think of him writing about like Jesus being the chief cornerstone, it's like you're bringing these two walls together, of the Jews and the Christians both into Christ, into one family of God. Yeah, without the letters, you know, and certainly he probably didn't write them all here, but this leads to the others as well. Um, because if he avoided this whole... letters? Yeah, it seems like he must have written some of them in that kind of final imprisonment, um, Mm -hmm. wherever that happened, where probably if he gets away from this situation um, without ever going to Rome and all of that kind of thing, uh, and it's all just sort of like, okay, yeah, we're all good here, then he probably doesn't wind up in that, that last imprisonment either. And so not only do we miss out on... The, you know, the early, you know, the Galatians and Thessalonians type of thing that appear to be pretty early, but we also miss the, uh, you know, the letters to the Corinthians and the Romans and all of that stuff too. And I mean, you know, where are we without um, Paul committing to writing uh, some of those things uh, that, that we all hold so very dear, you know, this time of year, it's hard not to think of first uh, Corinthians 15 um, with uh, that just great discourse on resurrection. Uh, wh- where do we go without Romans chapter eight? You know, um, it, it's, uh, it, uh, it would be such a loss if Paul had had a, a much easier life. And I think this makes things beautiful like that can always be anyone's testimony that is oftentimes like the beautiful things or the blessings come out of you know hardships that's where you know growth comes from you know diamonds are made like under pressure and Mm. you know i think when we look at paul's you know journey 
um, and I, you know, kind of getting a little sad. It's almost the end of the journey, but um, <laughs> yeah, know. I think we have one episode. We have one more left. episode, yeah. yeah. And I just, you know, just think about like, you know, how far Paul has come and the challenges along the way. There's so many lessons that we can take from him, but also, you know, the church would not, the Christian church and the doctrines that we have wouldn't exist. Maybe had not these challenging moments for Paul mm. had not occurred. So. And I, I like to think that Paul himself was okay with it, um, you know, sort of, if not happy to do it, at least content with what he had. Uh, He's uh, about to have a, a hard scene next scene. He gets right. in a big shipwreck. Yeah, a little <laughs> the bit big of finale. Robert Louis <laughs> Stevenson stuff coming, uh, coming up next. But, uh, you know, it just reminds me of the, the place in one of his letters, is it Galatians, um, where he, uh, I don't think it is Galatians, one of Paul's letters where he's talking about the the thorn in his side. And he said, three times I've prayed to God to take this away from me. And uh, three times he's denied it and uh, uh, said, my grace is sufficient for you. That uh, grace is made perfect. Strength is made perfect in weakness kind of thing. And so um, it, it, it just gives us an example for Paul to have gone through all of this and created, um, you know, the, the bulk of our New Testament as a result of it. Yeah. Um, it's making me think while we're talking about all of this and, and back in um, James with this line about suffering and then and it, Peter writes in first and second Peter, the refiner's fire, which is kind of like that line about diamonds mm-hmm. that like God purifies us in the fire until the pure elements are left. But it makes me think I had a, pastor growing up that would always say, which I found this like really depressing <laughs> and I don't like, it, it sounds kind of scary, but he would say you're, you're either in a trial or so you are, you either just came out of a trial, you're going through a trial or you're about to go into a trial, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, what a harsh like way of thinking. But like life is hard and it has challenges. And when we lean into those moments with our faith, like how much we grow in those moments or how much we can let God grow us in those moments. I guess we don't always have to let it happen. But here we see with Paul, like like there was a lot of hard things that he went through and and how much that he grows through all of it. Um, It's, it's encouraging for what God can do through us. And it's, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a challenge to that notion of, you know, sometimes we think of all I've got to do is just go get myself right with God and everything will straighten out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, where the, the example of Paul is, the more right he gets, uh, the, the the closer to Christ he gets, uh, mm-hmm. the more times he almost gets beaten to death in the middle of a city and arrested and flogged and thrown in prison and shipwrecked and, 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 you know, it, it, the, the closer he gets, it seems like the closer he gets to the cross, not the closer he gets to some just idenic uh, existence of floating on a cloud strumming his harp and i heard you know this growing up you know you know in a baptist church but you know i feel like um father billy has alluded to or maybe he's even said this as well but you know you know being a christian doesn't mean that your life is easy there's going <laughs> to be challenges yeah. along the way if not there's going to be more challenges along the way um and i think paul's like a to your point robbie i think is like a wonderful testimony of that um 
you know, that, you know, challenges um, bring growth, um, it brings hardships, but, you know, there can be a lot of beauty to, to it as well. Yeah. Back to Romans 8 that you had mentioned. So this is my sister's like life verse, uh, and so much so that her and her now husband chose to get engaged on 828 because that, <laughs> that verse meant so much to them. But God works all things together for good in those who love him. Mm-hmm. When, when we follow God, good things work in us amongst the hard moments as well. But we have to let it happen. And I, I just, I find Paul encouraging. Yeah. I feel, I feel good about this. Like, you know, it's like kind of a little rough go, you know, here with Paul, like, you know, is pretty serious, like what he's about to go through. But when we think about, you know, Paul's walk and like the practice and apply to our own lives is very encouraging. Um, Mm. So I guess in conclusion, um, as we head out, we have one more episode left, but there's still a lot more that can happen to Paul in the next couple (laughs) chapters. So, um, Thank you all for listening to this episode of Ascension Cast, and this is the Axe Project. Peace. Peace. Peace.